0: what for me, <laughs> uh, yeah, they uh, I'm not going to sell out 0 two for them guys to be my the main event, so uh, I'm not going to be like cheap support to these guys. We need to change that. I'm bringing water, so I'm not playing that. I'm not gonna be chips of all, simple as. we I'm being on box office, because was, these guys wouldn't sell box office by themselves, so fuck that. So whatever you give me main event or pull me out of fucking show. Okay. Let's talk about that fight. Well, no, I'm just being serious. You're trying to bomb me like, you want me to sell it out to my London crowd, my London fans, and then you wanna put these little guys nobody knows about them on my show, and then trying to make mug me off. Fuck that.
1: Whoa. Wow, guys, and welcome to the Beautiful Boxing Podcast. And whatever I was going to talk about before, Derek just sort just booted that chessboard up in the air, just like he does with everything else. So without further ado, let's actually just discuss the press conference. So when I was getting sent the video clips of what was happening and people were sending it to me live, so shouts out to the guys that were were recording it. I don't want to snitch in case Match and find out that we're connected. But I think the important thing about that was my first reaction was this has to be a worked shoot. This has to have been planned. But the more I've spoken to people and the more I've seen the reactions and I've spoken to guys on on both sides of this, I think that was unexpected. So. I'm willing to believe now that what Derek did is from the heart and is from the soul. So then I started to unpick and go, well, what's Derek's major beef? So I think from what you can hear, Derek is saying, and I think he's quite right in saying this. Why don't I get to headline a pay-per-view? Why don't I get to be the ace on a pay-per-view? And why don't I get to be the guy that draws the money? But where is this really coming from? Let's ask ourselves, where is this coming from? So if we look at what Derek does when the pay-per-view lights are on, it's, it's pretty hit and miss. So we get two really good Dillion fights, classics. You can watch those over and over again, and that's when you look at Derek Tessour and you go, you're worth every penny. Then you get the Senad Gashi fight, but we'll forgive him because that's probably not a fight he would have chosen. And then you get the Agat cabayel fight as well. Which is probably another fight, stylistically, he wouldn't have chosen. You know, and then to support that, you get the Takam fight. Drama. You get the Spilka fight. Explosive. So we know what Derek can do on his day. But the problem with putting Derek at the top of the tree is, essentially, you're asking him to guarantee that kind of performance every time. Because that's how you say, right, Derek's the pay-per-view fighter. Because every time he's on there against top 10 opposition, look at what he does. He entertains and he stops them. Right. That's what you're trying to do with Derek. And that's how Derek views himself. Having been around Derek, having known Derek like I do, Derek views himself as the most exciting heavyweight this country has. Because he says, I come to fight every time. And I think that's true. But then you then, you know, and there's an argument to say, well, how often is he in world title fights? But take a step back. So if we remember correctly, Dave Allen versus Lucas Brown was a headline fight and Derek had to play second fiddle. Dave Allen versus Lucas Brown wasn't a fight for a world title. It wasn't a fight to eliminate for a world title. It wasn't anywhere near a world championship quality fight. So when Derek then says, quite rightly, look, I should be headlining, and people argue back with, well, there's a unification fight. Well, what we realise with pay-per-view is pay-per-view is never about the belts. It's about the money. Who brings the money in? That's the whole premise, isn't it? The fighters own the budget. Is that true in this case? We don't know, but it's really interesting. So you can see why Derek's annoyed, because the goalposts always seem to shift when it comes to Chisora. But what Chisora does, I reckon on a a 50-50 basis, is he delivers great fights. It's either a stinker or it's a thriller. And so he's saying, pay me accordingly, you're putting me in with Joseph Parker who stylistically is perfect for me. I'm going to give you the best fight you've seen this year. Pay me accordingly for carrying this pay-per-view. Is he wrong to do that? I don't think he is. But this is a man who's frustrated with the sport. If you think he's been through the Warrens, he's been through the Warren system, he's been through the Sowland system, and now he's through the Matchroom system, and at every point he's been shafted. One of the things they don't talk about is how little money he made for fighting David Hay. The numbers originally discussed ended up being a fraction of that when people were finally paid out, and then the expenses. Same thing with the Sowland fights. The money you think Derek would be earning, he wasn't earning. And so Hearn comes up to him and says, look, I can help you earn. And all Derek wants is someone to help him earn money, earn real money so he can retire and say, I don't need this game anymore. But as things stand, Derek knows he needs another two or three years. And so you see outbursts like this, because I think the man is genuinely annoyed that he's still getting pimped. In that age-old story of boxing, you're still getting pimped by the promoters. In the meantime, they get to make all the money without taking that much of a risk. But to be honest, I think Derek probably does a better explanation of most things than anyone can on his behalf. Pass over to you here. <laughs> oh, Adam,
0: one of you. Adam. Adam, who's taking the main event? You're not answering me because I'm going to go fucking ballistic now. Yeah, I want more money. I'm not fucking selling out the O2 for these guys to come and take my fans. No, if that's the case, pull me out of it pull me
1: off and then he won't be a box office so it's hard to work out who the good guy is and who the bad guy is here you know what is Derek worth on a pay-per-view basis I think in this case he has a strong argument because Regis progress from New Orleans and I don't think he even sells out Madison Square Garden to be honest with you he might sell out his hometown stadium I can believe that but I just don't believe for one second he sells out Madison Square Garden I don't think he sells out the Barclays Centre I don't think Josh Taylor could set out the O2 on his own. And so that leaves Derek and to a lesser extent Joseph Parker as the guys that really anchor the show. They're the real star power here because we love Josh Taylor. But we look at Josh Taylor as a guy who's just crested that wave of crossing over. And this is a fight to help him cross over. But you can't main event on what I call a crossing over fight. And Derek doesn't need to cross over. Derek crossed over a long time ago. Derek crossed over with Fury. Derek crossed over with uh, David Hay. He crossed over with Dillian White. He, he's anchoring this show. People want to go and see Derek get another knockout. They also want to see how good Josh Taylor is, but that's more of a hardcore fight. That's a fight that guys like me like. That's a fight that the boxing Twitterati will like. The guys down the pub want to see two big lumps swinging at each other. And that's what you're paying 20 quid for. So in that sense, I think Derek is correct. He. But once again, you go back to Derek and does Derek have a way with words? You know, there's a genius under all of that because he has a very eloquent way of describing the situation. For am doing this right now, but I'm just, I feel like you're just fucking me with no Vaseline. But then this actually points to a way that Eddie Hearn does business. And remember what Eddie Hearn's calling cards are when it comes to boxing. One, he puts on the biggest and the best events. Kind of true. right? Definitely not true in America. Maybe a bit, may be true here, definitely not true in America. He doesn't put on the biggest events. Two, he's got the biggest stars. Once again, not really true. He doesn't have the biggest stars, nor does he have the biggest prospects right? And the third one is, you get paid on time. It's the one you definitely can't argue with. Anyone that's ever worked with Hearn knows you get paid. As soon as you've done your job, that money is sent to your account. But what does that really mean? Does it mean you're getting paid what you're worth? Does it mean you're earning what you deserve to earn? I'd answer, no, it doesn't. No one ever talks about the fighters that Hearn pays 25k to or 30k to and the fans believe these guys are on six figures and they're not. They don't talk about the fact that Hearn doesn't invest. Hearn's not prepared to make a loss on a fighter. They don't talk about this. They don't talk about the fact that he's quite tight with his money. And people say it's disciplined, absolutely. But for what he's taking home, and for what these boxers are putting on the line, is it fair? Is it right? No one ever questions Eddie Hearn on this because his mantra is, we run shows to make a profit. Cool, okay. But are you taking care of the boxers? If we knew, like they do in America, what the boxers' purses were in this country, do you think we would we wouldn't think the same of Hearn? we'd be like, well, why are you paying a pittance? Because it's easy to give Frank a kicking and the argument's always the same. Frank doesn't have any money. Frank can't pay you on time. And he takes all these shots. But the reality of Eddie Hearn is he doesn't pay that much more. And if you don't believe me asking, how can how can Cyclone persuade Ohara Davis to go from a match from show onto their show? Because they paid 120K for that fight. That was a fight that would have been worthy of that on a pay-per-view. Hearn could have done that on a pay-per-view. He wasn't willing to spend the money. Because a lot of guys he doesn't believe in. That's the reality of it. Take Joshua away, take Dillian away. There are a lot of guys that he doesn't believe in. Which is sad. And so guys like Chisora pay the price of Matchroom's natural conservatism. They don't earn what they deserve. Would Derek get more money fighting on BBC? Absolutely. Does he care if the show is profitable or not? No, because he's there like, I'm risking my life. I want to get paid what I think I'm worth. I don't think Hearn's doing that at the moment. And we know this because Hearn is guilty of so many other things. I don't want this to be an anti-Hearn rant or an anti-Hearn discussion, I should say. But what I do want to say is think of all the fights that haven't happened because people don't want to deal with Hearn or he hasn't been able to stump up the money. Now you understand why Derek's frustrated. I
0: think that it started as a little bit of, not a wind up, he definitely wants to be main no, event. I, but I, think, so. I think he started as like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then progress piped up and then I was thinking, oh no, so, you know, I think it's interesting. I've see seen him
1: come over to you,
0: yeah. and, and... He just said to me, there he goes, why are these little guys main event? I said, well, it's, it's number, you know, unification, Ali Trophy, you know, so...
1: So in classic hearn terms, all a storm in a teacup. And I imagine they'll offer Derek some kind of sweetener, a few extra quid, and then they'll say, look... Will get your own pay-per-view. And he normally does that to remind people that they're not superstars. So they'll put him on a pay-per-view with a real stinker of an opponent. And then they'll go, right, there you go. You couldn't deliver. So you're not really a pay-per-view star. Back in your box. Uh, hmm. But I feel for Derek. Because my real worry about Chisora is that everyone's going to get rich off this guy's back. Except for Derek. And the man that stood by him in his worst excesses, Don Charles. And that's the man I really feel for right now. Because when Derek was making 80k, 90k, 100k. Don wasn't even getting cut in back then. And Don Charles deserves so much more as a man, as a trainer. That when Derek starts making these high six-figure, low seven-figure paydays. Don's the guy that should be getting cut in. But I feel that there are so many hands in the trough at the moment that. He's not, and Don deserves that. And, and, you know, I guess it's a trainer's code we all stick together because I, I genuinely believe that when you help create the thing, you should always be able to live off it. You know, you wouldn't say to Sir Paul McCartney, right, someone else is going to get the royalties for the songs that you wrote. That doesn't make any sense. He's always going to get a cut. If I cover a Paul McCartney song, if I cover a Boy George song, if I cover a Dexy Midnight Runners song they all eat off that labour even though it's my real labour that's recreating it, they live off that because they laid it down. Boxing's a sport where you don't get that you don't get residuals in boxing and I feel if you did get residuals in boxing boxers wouldn't be so quick to jump around from promoter to promoter from trainer to trainer. The only people that seem to get this are managers Although, you know, I have seen some promoters' contracts where even if you leave them, you still got to cut them in for the rest of your career. And that's why you see some of these promoters just don't put shows on anymore. Because they say, look, I'm going to get my 20% anyway. So how about someone else promotes them, does a better job than I can, makes more money for them, and then I get more money. This is a really dirty game. So when you see Derek getting angry... Is for a lot of those reasons, and we see guys like me getting angry because guys like Don Charles aren't eating, and I'm uncomfortable with that because he deserves to eat out of the sport because he's put so much in. But actually, on a side note, one of the things I loved about the press conference was Derek said the one thing about the World Boxing Super Series that we can. All agree with now. You know, it's about time that the elephant in the room was addressed. and I think Derek's the first guy to really nail it down.
0: Nobody gives a fuck about Ali Trophy, man. It's past date, man. The heavyweights are back now. You know, Mike Tyson said it when AJ knocked out Lenny what you call, uh, Klitschko. He said, No more money to the small guys. The money's going back to the heavyweights. Bro, bro, nobody cares about you, bro. Let's all be honest. Yo, 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 yo. Don't get me started, bro. Yo, I don't give a shit.
1: So when they first announced the World Boxing Super Series, we were all excited. We thought, right, the best will fight the best and we'll get clarity in every weight division. Right? That's what we thought. This is the one time... We will know who the best of the best really are. And it was the super middleweights and it was the cruiserweights. And I think they got the cruiserweights spot on. But it's easy because there's no money in the cruiserweights and no one knows who the hell they are. But there were so many holes in the super middleweight tournament that by the time you got to the final, you were no clearer about who the best 168 guy was. You know, as British fans, we got to see a British... Well, we got to see two really big British dust-ups so we got to see Eubank Junior versus Groves, and then we got to see Callum Smith versus Groves. And yeah, we enjoyed those fights, and they were great fights. But one was in Jeddah, so another misstep. The pursuit of money, from a proposition that was meant to give us clarity, was meant to be we want to simplify the boxing landscape, to then we just want to chase money. So it was disappointing. Although they gave us a hell of a night in Manchester and those listening who went there that night, you'll understand how special it was. So now fast forward and now we've got, we've got the little babies at 118. We've got the kind of, the light welterweight, the kind of division no one really wants to be in. And then we've got the cruiserweights again, like we didn't know who was who before. And that's the problem with this tournament now. And Derek's right. No one cares about the Ali trophy because at 118, we can't even name these guys. We, we don't really care. And I refuse to believe in Inoue versus Denaire is really number one versus number two. I refuse to believe that. That's not who we want to see Inoue fight next. So that fight's actually irrelevant. Unless you're a hardcore, that fight's not relevant anymore. Josh Taylor versus Regis Progre, I think, answers one half of the question. But the other half of the question is Ramirez. And Ramirez is not in this tournament, just like Hooker was not in the tournament. You know, instead we had Flanagan, and we had this guy, and we had that guy. But we get Taylor and Progre, and I think that's a valid question. But then we're now here asking what would happen if Lomachenko went to 140? What would happen if this guy went to 140? Then you got the, the Mikey Garcia question. So by the time these two guys fight, and there's a decision on October 26th, live on Sky box office, hmm, we're no wiser about who the best at 140 is. We just know that Josh Taylor's either been crowned a star, or we'll be saying at least he had a go. That's the only value in this fight, yet they're calling it pay-per-view. I, and I struggle to see why. The pay-per-view fight is the winner of this tournament versus Ramirez for me. Or versus Mikey Garcia if he can make 140. Or even, even versus a Pacquiao if he can get down in weight too. That's what we're looking for. I know people say, oh, fans want the best fight in the best. I don't think fans do. Fans want big star fighting other big star in big fight. That's what they pay for. The trade fights, the, the good guy fighting the other good guy... The guy that could, no one cares about that outside of boxing, outside of the people who know the sport, and that's a very small number, and it's not a very lucrative number. So this World Boxing Super Series, I'll be surprised if it carries on for another year because if you look at the case of Progre, Progre doesn't need this anymore. Taylor doesn't need this anymore. Like the tournaments validated these guys. If Josh Taylor were to get injured now, I don't think he'd care. He'd want to fight Ramirez, he'd want to fight Garcia because he would have ascended to that level where he's a relevant factor in the division. It served his purpose now. I think that's what people are realizing. They're realizing the World Boxing Super Series, you can become famous for just not being in it. Never mind from being in it. So look, Ramirez is famous for not being in it. Hooker famous for not being in it. In the same way that David Benavidez got famous for not being in that tournament. So basically, it's become this utility that boosts people's profile and doesn't really give much reward back to the founders and the originators. So you ask yourself, why would they do it? And I expect that they won't want to do it next year because it's such a hassle to organize. So at a time when we're talking about tournament boxing being the way forward and you've got Ultimate Boxer... And you've got the golden contract all coming up. And they seem to be the format that works. The do it in an evening. That seems to work better than we're going to stretch it out over a year. Because there's too many unknowns that can come up in the course of a year. As the World Boxing Super Series has found out. But it's an irrelevant tournament now. Apart from the hardcores. (laughs) What fights are we really looking forward to that will answer questions that we have? The World Boxing Super Series financially could not give us Spence versus Crawford. It couldn't give us another Canelo versus Golovkin. It couldn't give us Canelo versus Charlo. It can't do that. So now now we have to accept that it's run its course. It was a nice little buzz when it started, but they couldn't manage it. They couldn't keep it within the boxing season, number one. Number two, they seemingly struggled to pay fighters. And number three... Other promoters just use the World Boxing Super Series to further their own agenda. And they were lucky to keep Progre. Progre was trying to find a way out so he could fight a Ramirez or Mikey Garcia and make twice the money he's about to make now. So I think Derek's right. No one really cares about this. And the pay-per-view thing isn't... Josh Taylor's not swinging pay-per-view buys in the same way that Chisora is. And I know Eddie Hearn alluded to the... Gloves are off special between Chisora and Parker being quite tasty. So we can only wait to see that and see what happens as a result of that. But that's what's really driving this card. That's what's really driving this show. Not the World Boxing Super Series. But it's sensible to probably wrap this whole Chisora explodes again episode by saying... The one thing we will miss about Derek when he goes... Is that raw honesty. That old school honesty that. I refuse to be corporate. I refuse to be tamed. I will say what I think. Even if it makes the world feel uncomfortable. And it's not like he does it from a position of anger. Because he did an interview with Uncle T. And you can see in his body language. That he was just frustrated. And I understand where he's coming from. Because he's like when is my big payday. You suspect that. He might be in the running for a Joshua fight. If Joshua were to lose, the next logical fight, if Chisora wins, is AJ versus Chisora. Because you can build that story up and say, look, Derek's got a similar style. He's a big hooker. He's got a decent chin. And he knows Anthony Joshua well enough that he can get to him. Can Joshua rebuild his career against the guy that he looked up to? There are all of these massive stories you could build up for a Wembley fight. Derek just has to play this clever because the payday may be round the corner. But I understand why he's doing this now because he's saying to the public, let Eddie Hearn know how much you value me. Because when the big fight does come against a Joshua or maybe even Tyson Fury again, he wants his numbers to be right. And he's perfectly entitled to do so. So I think that concludes just a quick blast. You know, I had to just process my thoughts. I think it's a bit jumpy because I had to edit because I was getting disrupted by phone calls. So apologies in advance for that. If you're unhappy, as I keep saying, we're now down to just over two weeks until the most exciting man in the heavyweight division and a man that would love to fight Derek Chisora down the line fights at the Royal Albert Hall. So guys, be ready and be excited.
0: So what well do done, you get me? September the 27th, Royal Albert Hall. Make sure that it's gonna be a knockout.